0: All right, well, whatever, whatever, it's done, it's whatever. Hey, good morning. I am ridiculously, incredibly excited to preach today. It's, it's, I've been literally bouncing over the church all morning. I have not been able to sit down, even when I was at Walmart this morning getting a Mother's Day card. Um, yes, I know. And what's funny about that is there, I was not alone, first of all. Uh, And second, there's just a general understanding among men in the Mother's Day aisle on Mother's Day at 8 a.m. getting a card. Like, we don't even have to really say anything. It's just like, oh, yeah, you too. Okay. Uh, So, yeah, it was great. But I'm excited to be preaching today. I get the final sermon on the solas. And friends, the solas are my jam. I love Reformation history. Martin Luther, John Calvin, they are my BFFIHs, my best friends forever in heaven Uh, And one of the reasons I'm so excited about this term is because it almost didn't happen. Uh, Originally, I was not scheduled to preach during this series. And so when the calendar came out and I saw that my name was not in these five weeks, my soul was downcast within me. And I prayed, God, please give someone an illness or an itis and allow me to (laughs) preach. And God answers prayers, amen. He does, he does. (laughs) No. Now, honestly, it's just a quirk of the schedule that I get to be here, but I am really, really excited to preach today. Um, But here's, before we get into anything, I want to give you two quick definitions uh, for words that I'm going to use today, a lot that might be somewhat unfamiliar, Uh, and so the first one of those is Justification. We've used this word in this series before in some of the other sermons, but justification, it's just the formal term, the theological term for the forgiveness of sins that allows us to be saved. We often use this word interchangeably with the word salvation or in conjunction with the word salvation. But I felt like it was important to use the formal term because any kind of research you do into the solas, this is the word they're going to use, justification, the formal term for forgiveness of sins. So that's the first one. The second thing uh, that we're going to talk about that I'll be talking about a lot today is God's glory. Uh, And it's really... Presumptuous and in some ways foolish to try and define God's glory. Uh, so I'm not going to. I'm going to read you someone else's. Um, and it's from the, the definition here is from the theologian John Piper. Uh, and he writes this He writes that God's glory is the outward radiance of the intrinsic worth and beauty and greatness of his manifold perfections. So, so God's glory is the perfection that radiates out from him like beams of light that you and I can experience. And so we can talk about the glory of God's grace. We can talk about the glory of God's justice, the glory of God's love, the glory of his forbearance. We can talk about all of those things because those are all pieces of God's perfection that radiate out from him that we can experience. So when I talk about God's glory, I'm talking about aspects of God's perfection that he has willed, that he has desired to radiate out into the world for our good, Okay, So justification, God's glory, with these definitions, let's get to uh, the solas today. Today we're going to talk about the fifth and final sola. We're at the end of our solas series, and so I get soli deo gloria, the glory of God alone. Uh, And as we get into this, I want to take a minute to reflect on what the solas are. So in case you haven't been here, or it's your first week or whatever, uh, as has been said before, the five solas are a summation of the teachings of the Reformation fathers that set them apart from the Roman Catholic Church of their time. And thankfully, things are different now in the Roman Catholic Church, but these are things that really set the Reformers apart. But by themselves, these five little phrases, solo Christo, solo Gloria, all of those things, they really don't tell us what the Reformation was all about. Christ alone, what? Faith alone, what? Grace alone, what? And the what was the big deal. And so to help us understand, let me give you all of the solas in a single sentence that includes the what. And here it is. Justification, that's the what, is by grace alone, on the basis of Christ alone, through faith alone, for the glory of God alone, as revealed with authority by Scripture alone. So the, what it, the what's justification? The central dispute of the Reformation was how humans can be justified before God, how we can be saved. And in the Roman Catholic Church at the time, and again, it is different now, but in the Roman Catholic Church at the time, you could literally buy your justification because the Pope said so. And, and seemingly, this made sense because your money went to the growth and the glory of, of the church. But but obviously the problem with this is that it makes things like Jesus and faith and grace it, it makes them unnecessary. And, and this move away from the truth of scripture, it started in small ways but over time became more and more egregious to the point that reformers started to raise questions and, and stand in dissent and of course this dissent hit a crescendo with Martin Luther and his 95 theses and what we now call the reformation rolled on from there. And so what we need to understand is that ultimately what happened during the Reformation was a rediscovery of and a recommitment to the teachings of divinely inspired, God-breathed scripture, as opposed to the teachings of frail sinner humans like you and me. And I have loved this series that we've done because we like to uh, somewhat nonsensically pretend that we are enlightened beyond the issues of the Reformation, But if you've been here the last four weeks and you have felt the Holy Spirit convicting you at all, then you have an understanding that the Reformation issues are alive and well today. Humans in sin will always, always, always try to usurp the power and the love and the glory of God for our own means and ends. It started in Genesis chapter three. We fought against it in the Reformation and and it continues today. And that ugly reminder is the perfect segue into our topic. Justification is solely deo gloria. Justification reveals God's glory alone and no one else's. The Bible cover to cover is clear that justification before God, our salvation, is an act of God because humans are powerless to bring it about. No church gets credit for bringing about justification. No pastor gets credit, no pope, nor person, nor you get any of the credit for your justification. And as a result, you get none of the glory. God does, God alone, solely Deo Gloria. Justification reveals the glory of God. Today, we're going to wrap up this series by looking back at the previous four solas, Grace, Faith, Jesus, Bible, and I'm going to show you that all four of those things are acts of God that we don't get any credit for, we don't get any glory for at all, because all of that belongs to God. And then when we're done, we'll talk through some applications for our lives. So first things first. Since I'm going to use scripture a lot today and I'm going to use scripture to illuminate all of my points, we're going to start with sola scriptura, the idea that scripture alone is the authority that reveals how we are justified before God. Does anybody know how many books are in the Bible? 66. Excellent. Good, good. You guys are on Johnny on the spot. How many authors? This one's harder. So yeah, close forty, close to 40. Uh, traditionally, and there are debates, but traditionally we say 35 authors. So oftentimes when we talk about the Bible, we say, well, it's 66 books written by 35 people. False. It is 66 books, and they were, there were 35 at least helpers who wrote it, but it's important to understand that the human authors of the Bible are not the origin of the Bible. Scripture very clearly tells us its origin in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Verses 16 and 17, and those verses say this. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So all scripture is God-breathed. Genesis through Revelation, the Bible, finds its origin in God. And, And I want you to understand, it is not enough to say that God inspired scripture as if he merely influenced the authors. That is an insufficient and completely misleading description of the origin of the Bible. When we say that scripture is the word of God, we mean it is the literal word of God. Its origin is within him. Its expression is through him. Human scribes merely vessels for the transmission of God's word. So the Bible is the word of God himself. And that is why it's such a treasure for us. That's why it's so rich and deep and expressive and guiding and wonderful. That's why it tastes like honey and cuts like a sword. It is valuable, infinitely valuable and infinitely useful, precisely because it originates within God beyond those whom it is for. And also because it originates within the infinite perfection and holiness of God, it's authoritative. It's the authority. The Reformers taught, and we maintain that Scripture is the final and the sole authority for revealing how we are justified before God. And so, our question for today is who gets the glory for this? Who gets the glory for Scripture? Well, God does because it's His, it radiates from Him. We are the beneficiaries, He is the author infinitely worthy of praise. The glory of Scripture is God's and God's alone. Soli Deo Gloria. So there is, there's the first sola, and we've got three more today, which are grace, faith, and Jesus. And to talk about how these three, uh, how these and, and how they reveal only God's glory and none of our own, we need to understand who we are before God works in our lives. Uh, And if you've ever heard me preach here before, you know where I'm going. Uh, Because in my first sermon here five years ago, I called all of us dirtbags. Uh, In my most recent sermon in December, I called us all worms. And I want you to know, from my heart to yours, I really meant it. Uh, Why? Because it's the Bible. And the Bible is true. And when we forget where we came from, we cannot revel in where we are, or give proper glory to who got us here. So allow me to remind us what God says we are before he works in our lives. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. As for you, you were dead. There it is. We could stop here, but Paul doesn't, so we'll keep going. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient All of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath What are what are we before God works in our lives we're dead we're dead in our transgressions and sins. We're dead and deserving of wrath. And notice that in our walking deadness, it's not that we're following nothing. We're following the ways of the world. We're following the ruler of the kingdom of the air. We're, we're following the desires and thoughts of our flesh. What we're not doing is we're not following God. Before God works in our lives, we are dead, we are disobedient, and we are deserving of wrath. And in this state, God and the things of God, they're not desired. God and the things of God are not pursued. They are not known in any effectual way. This is humanity from Genesis chapter 3 all the way up to today. And God is acutely aware of this. Genesis chapter 6 verse 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. I mean, consider that. Only evil all the time. Every inclination of every thought of the human heart was only evil all the time. Psalm chapter 14, verses two and three. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away, All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. And in case there are any other doubts, Romans 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here is the point. We bring nothing of value to God to offer for our justification. Nothing. It turns out that dead people are horrible advocates for themselves. Because of sin, our very nature is against God. The wages of sin is death. Because of sin, we and, and I know you all want me to talk about what comes next that changes our lives, that brought us here this morning, but not, not yet. Because we're not apt to forget grace, faith, and Jesus. What we are apt as people to do is to devalue them by forgetting that we were once nothing more than walking corpses. I want you to sit with the knowledge and remembrance of your deadness. You had no chance. You had nothing to offer. You had nothing in yourself to hope. And friends, we need a savior. Say with that. Ephesians chapter two, verses four and five. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. That's real good. I'm going to read it again. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Sola gratia. The, the assertion that we are saved by grace alone is explained here. And the explanation, it, it's not a long one. Because of God's great love, because God is rich in mercy, even when we were dead, God made us alive. That's grace. That's grace. And you know what we call it when a dead person becomes alive? We call it resurrection. Your life in Christ begins with the miracle of Resurrection. Consider the fact that everyone around you right now that knows Jesus is a miracle. Do you wonder why the angels rejoice? Stop wondering. Do you wonder why we as Christians rejoice when someone says it's because it's a miracle? And how is this possible? Sola gratia. It's possible by grace alone. Why? Soli Deo Gloria, to reveal God's glory alone. We didn't do it. We couldn't do it. We were dead. The Bible is very clear about that. We didn't do it. Because we didn't do it, we don't get the credit. And we sure don't get the glory. God does. Because God's perfect grace is a radiance of God's perfect glory. And justification is solely Deo Gloria for the glory of God alone. Ephesians 2, verses six and seven. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. I love that phrase. He might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Solo Cristo, the assertion that we are saved by the work of Christ alone. We see through these verses that the incomparable riches of God's grace are expressed through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So God's grace alone is expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus alone. To help us understand this a little bit more, Romans puts it this way in Romans chapter 3 verses 23 through the first part of 25 that says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. To understand solo Christo, Christ alone, the question we have to answer is, how did redemption come? Well, it came through Christ Jesus, our sacrifice of atonement. That's it. He is it. Peter, speaking to the Jewish leaders, puts it this way. In Acts chapter four, verses 11 and 12, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. And a verse, memorize this. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. How are we justified? Solo Cristo? Did we bring this about? No. Are you sensing a theme? We did nothing. Romans 3, verses 25 and 26, God presented. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. And one more time, in case there's any confusion, he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be the one to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Amen. Consider all of God's actions in this. God shows us both his justice and his righteousness by ordaining and directing that Jesus pay for our sins. So God is ultimately both just, his justice is satisfied, And he is our justifier. He's the one that gives us justification. Justification solo Christo, through Christ alone, that's what God did. And that action radiates his love, his forbearance, his righteousness, and his justice. It reveals his glory. Justification through Christ alone reveals God's glory alone. Soli Deo Gloria. And now lastly, Sola fide, faith alone. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So both Ephesians and the verses from Romans agree that we are saved through faith alone. Justification comes through faith alone. The question is, who gets the glory for faith? Where, where does it come from? Well, here's what we got in the Bible. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1 says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, to those who have received a faith. Here, faith is described as something received. In Philippians chapter 1, it's described as something that we are granted. And so it seems that faith is something that's given to us by God. But in other places, though, like Acts chapter 16, Romans chapter 10, faith seems to be described as something coming from us in response to what God has done for us. And so I don't have a simple answer as to where faith comes from, and I want you to know it bothers me a lot that I haven't figured this out yet. It really does. I hate not having the answer. Um, Because here's the thing. On one hand, I know that there is nothing within the sin nature of humans that would drive us to choose God. But on the other hand, I feel very deeply that I did choose God, and that choice changed my life. So there's mystery here for me, and again, it upsets me that that's true, but there's mystery here for me as to where faith originates and how it integrates into our lives. So I can't give you that definitively, but here's what I can tell you that I am absolutely confident to say, and spoiler alert, it does result in God getting all the glory. Here it is. God is always the first mover. At the beginning of all things, God spoke. Everything from creation since then has been in response to what God has done. And so God moves first, God speaks first. When it comes to justification, God has already acted by offering grace through the work of Jesus. Faith then, wherever it comes from, is a response to what God has already done. So while faith may somehow be an act of will... When it comes to our justification, the act of faith is nothing more than grateful acceptance of work that is already completed. See, the idea is this. We don't ever get to look out from ourselves and think, look what we did. We've got faith. We are great. Our need for faith is the evidence of the opposite of that. We are alive in Christ because of God and his desire to radiate his glory into the world. That's why we're alive in Christ. And so, sola fide, faith alone, is a response alone. And without God and his work that he accomplished, we've got nothing to respond to. So the glory of even our faith belongs to God alone. Justification is solely Deo Gloria, Bible, grace, Jesus, faith. They all reveal God's glory and none of our own because it's all about God's glory and his glory alone. Two final applications as we wrap up. First, each one of the solas is a huge topic within Christian, Christian theology. Uh, like, I mean, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about grace. These are humongous topics within Christian theology, and different denominations tend to approach these topics from different starting points. So you may find yourselves in disagreement, with something I've said today or you may find that you have questions about something I've said today and my challenge to you is to push into that disagreement push into those questions because if they're on your mind it's probably the holy spirit saying i want to teach you something so listen denominations denominations are man-made things and they suffer from all of the frailties of that we as the people of god need to have the humility to understand that the denomination or the type of church that we've done our learning in has affected how we have learned it. We need to have the humility to accept that other denominations than the one we grew up in or the one you're in today, other denominations may have something to teach us as well. The Reformation has taught us that we do not measure the truth of God against man-made institutions. We measure man-made institutions against the truth of God and we can't make that mistake again. You are not a bad Foursquare, or Baptist, or Methodist, or Reformed, or anything else because you have questions. So if you have questions, or if you have disagreement, do the work to get the answers. God is not afraid of our questions. Our minds are infinitely smaller than his. Can I just encourage you today? Your brain is tiny. Compared to God's, okay? Your concern should be understanding what He has for you, not His willingness to teach it to you. So, ask your questions, seek your answers, do your research, do the study, do the work. God's gonna meet you there. It's almost like there's a promise in the Bible that if you seek Him, you'll find Him. There are so many resources available to you. If you're not sure where to start, there are several pastors and leaders in this church that would love to help you. Talk to someone. Put it on a connect card. Call in. We paid the bill. Talk to a Christian friend, okay? You might be shocked what your friends have to add to your faith. Listen, if you are seeking, God will meet you. And if you're not sure how, then let us help you. The heart's desire of living word is that you meet God. Because if that's not what we're doing, then what are we doing? And second, and I'm going to close with this, worship team coming up. The Reformation was all about the gospel. It was all about how we can be saved. All of the solas, everything we've talked about for the past five weeks, it's the gospel. And the gospel message of justification being solely deo gloria, the gospel message of justification revealing God's glory alone, that's a message of freedom. Because for your justification, for the security of your eternity, for the joy of knowing God, there's nothing you have to do because there's nothing you can do. You couldn't, so God did. That's the gospel. You are undeserving but infinitely loved by God, your creator. That's the gospel. Your insufficiency is covered by God's sufficiency. That's the gospel. There's, no, there's nothing for you to do. There's no money for you to pay. There's no, there's no penance. There's no action. There's no work. It's all done, and God did it all. If you are here today and you've never given your life to Christ, I want you to hear this. Because of God's work, because of God's glory that he has radiated to the world and wants you to experience in your life, because of God, justification can be yours. So if you are feeling God calling you today and there is anything holding you back, let me just tell you this. Whatever is holding you back, it's not God and it has no power before him. So be free of it. The find freedom in the radiance of God's glory and say yes to him today. And for all of us, no matter where we are in our journey with the Lord, if you know Jesus, what do you do with the gospel message of justification being all about his glory? God invites us today to revel and bask in his glory. We get to worship God for his grace for his love, for him taking a dead thing and making it alive and calling it his own. We get to worship God for that today. So worship God for his glory that brought our justification. What else do we do? We dedicate ourselves to learning more about him. We look out at our world and we see people who are just as dead and lost as we were, and we do our best to love them freely in a way that radiates what God has given to us out of us. We come here, and we love this community of believers with our words and actions, just as God has loved us with his words and actions. And finally and ultimately, every day, what do we do with this? We dedicate our lives to the glory of God alone, because only by doing so will we live out the hope that we have and the very purpose of our existence. Let's pray together. God, I hope, it's, it's my heart's desire that everybody in this room is just humbled by what you have done. Lord, you, <laughs> you take dead things and you make them alive. It's, God, it's a miracle. And what can we say? Thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for faith, however it comes. Thank you for the Bible that reveals all of it. Thank you for the teaching of the people of the Reformation that we are blessed with 500 plus years later. God, your glory is immense and it's never ending and we will never understand it. And unless we were saved with Jesus, we'd never be able to stand before you. But yet that is the promise that we have of what is to come. God, work in our hearts, draw us closer to you. And anybody here that needs to say yes, may they say yes in Jesus Christ and be free. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. Let's stand and sing together.